Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about manure and what brown manure can do for you. We're also in our spotlight. We'll look at conservation innovation grants. Egg History Minute. We'll talk about the manure spreader. We'll have some cool beans. Then that's corny for our current events. And with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, Matt. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? And Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So we had the NFL draft last week. We were going during the draft, and then it got more disappointing after the weekend. Uh, Packers kind of threw a, a wrench in the works a little bit. So what are your thoughts? What do you guys think of the draft? It's a draft for the future. I don't think Sometimes the right choice isn't the pretty choice. Correct. Correct. I don't how, how we have no sports. We had no sports to look for, you know, no brewers, no other sports. This is all we had. And then they went and did that. It was just so hard to see and frustrating. And yeah, all Friday it was just like, what the heck? I, I felt like it was worse than when they picked Rogers deal with Favre because Rogers was supposed to go like number one overall, maybe. And then he dropped so far and, and then we kind of picked him and Favre had already kind of been talking retirement. And I, I you know, for them to, to trade away and you know, trade picks away to move up in the draft and Rogers hasn't been talking retirement. So it was just, I don't know, not, not fun, not fun. Yeah. The trade up really confused me why they needed to do that is nobody seemed you know, no one ahead of us seemed like they were really going to target a quarterback. So the only thing I can figure is someone behind us was going to work a trade to get ahead of us. And they wanted, they, that was the only guy that was left. That was a first round grade or all that happy stuff that they always talk about. So they had to jump up and get them. And, um, and that's why they made the move. That's my guess. And they only had to get up a fourth rounder wasn't like they gave up a third. So that was good. And I think yeah. they want they wanted like Rager and Jefferson and those guys went to Minnesota and whoever took Rager before Minnesota. Philadelphia. And heard, yeah, and I heard that they tra- they actually called the Vikings to move up to I think they were 23 and yeah, no chance the Vikings are going to make a trade with the Packers to go get the guy that they wanted. So Right, they're not going to help you. Yeah. And then I think it just it was felt also cool. hard to see the, yeah, right after that, though, it was like in the second round to go get the running back when it was like, we don't have a whole lot of running back right now. Yeah. In two years from now, we're going to have to pay some of those guys that we do have running back. And then the tight end they got in the third round that for me, that one was like, once we did that, I was just like, oh man, I'm, I'm done. I'm not watching anymore. I did like the three offensive line move. That was pretty cool. Well, at least we know that Barb and Rogers have something to bond over now. So their relationship will never be stronger. Listening to a draft guy, and uh, he was really pumped actually about all three of those linemen. Said they're, you know, they'll be backups at first, but they're all pretty good at some point. So I think overall, remember, we got to wait three years, right? If we can do that. Yep. 
who knows if they'll even be playing this fall. So maybe they just figure we're not playing this fall and they're kind of drafting for two years from now anyway. So, yeah, you never I, know. I actually, I like the, I like the big, the big bad running back who's going to, you know, go head up in the hole and just kill people. Like I was excited about that. I, I know probably it was not the best draft pick, but I like him. I think he's going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to use that tight end. Like he's going to play in the backfield. He's going to play at tight end. He's going to play at slot. He's going to play way out. You know, they're going to move him all around. And that's why they wanted him, I think, because he's can do a lots of different stuff. So, and apparently versatile. Yeah. And he can catch everything. So unlike your Michael family at the beginning, we were all mad when he kept dropping stuff. This guy sounds like he can catch. So we'll see. What did you guys think of the format? I thought it was really cool, actually way to do it and give him credit for doing it too. I mean, but to see Belichick's dog sitting there and just, uh, the Vikings guy, the coach, they he had a bunch of mounts behind him and everything. It was really cool. Um, and they, even Jerry, so, when they'd go, when they go Yacht. to the yeah, and Jerry, yeah, with Jerry's I didn't Yacht. see Mike McCarthy. I don't even know. I wonder if Mike was in Green Bay or if he was down down in Jerry World somewhere. Um, the other funny ones I thought was like some of the when they panned the draft picks, and you could see you know certain like one of them, the agent was right behind him wearing a mask. But whenever the agent would talk, he'd like pull the mask off and talk to everybody and then like put it back on. So it was like, okay, that that was kind of a waste. But it was a really cool format, I thought. I thought the same thing. I thought we all wanted it. And they had like a huge rating, I think like a 16 rating or something. Normally it's like a six or something. I don't know. But they had a huge rating. And I liked the format too. And I, I loved it towards the end of, I don't know if it was a third round. All of a sudden, good old Raj, he's in his in his casual clothes sitting on at the chair, like he's like a fireside talk or something like that. I thought that was pretty made him look more like Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Like Mr. Rogers putting on his house sweater and his house shoes. Right. It did make you hate Goodell less, which was weird. Cause usually you just like, yeah, want to boo him and stuff. So it was kind of like, Oh, okay. I was glad they did the electronic booing. Like I was, that was great. That yeah. They let the that was great. Boo. How he, he the played Zumbu. it up right at the beginning. Yeah. That was great. All right. We're ready to get into it, guys. Let's go. Let's talk about Let's do it. All right. Today we're going to talk about manure. Cows and other animals make it, but what should we do with it? So it's a great source of nutrients. Plus it contains micronutrients, which, you know, as we know, the last few years have been a big deal. You have all these micronutrient packs and all this other stuff. Well, manure's got it. Helps build organic matter and has soil health benefits. So coming off of our soil health month in April, thought good tie-in to move forward is manure. So what do you guys like about manure? What makes it a good product to use on our fields? Matt, I liked your title of What Can Brown Do For You? That was great. I thought that was a perfect time, especially now when you can't go into as many stores and the UPS guy is literally what some people have to look forward when he shows up and drops off your packages. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. What Can Brown Do For You? I think the biggest thing, you know, with manure, obviously, is we can't, 
look at it as a waste. We have to look at it as plant food, right? Obviously, it has things we have to watch out for, leaching and running and can contaminate. Um, but we have to reconfigure our brains to think about it like a nutrient, not not a waste. And, um, you know, just do the testing and do the best you can with spreading it. And I think that's one thing, too, that uh, we got to watch as agronomists is is watching those manure applications because the unfortunate part is, you know, it's not as consistent as what a fertilizer spreader is. But the cool part about it is you get everything, you know, you get every element in the book almost. So there's always, always something there. I, I still don't think we've found a good way to quantify or to really appreciate the benefits that manure have over um, commercial fertilizer. Um, and I can't, unless I, I think it mostly has to do with the organics, but it's uh, pretty incredible that you can see if you put the same, you know, say you put 40 units out in manure and you put 40 units out in commercial fertilizer, you can still see a difference. There's still just something different that uh, it provides a little bit more. Yeah, what I yeah, like about is just the completeness of that fertilizer is we talk about like when we make commercial fertilizer recs, you know, you're always trying to make that as complete as you can with having some of the micros in there um, and making sure if you do need P and K, you know, that that's in the right balance. But um, manure is just amazing to me of, of how it's got all that things, which can be a downside sometimes that say you don't need the phosphorus as much in a field and you know you're still getting it but you either base your rate on nitrogen or phosphorus and kind of go from there and it, it does do a really good job of uh, building soils i feel and kind of giving you really long release which is nice and also the completeness that it gives you all those micros that we really need right now yeah so i think you guys all hit on um some good qualities of manure so dairies collect it and spread it that's a given. I mean, they don't really have a choice. They have to uh, do something with it, but it does help mitigate the need for commercial fertilizer. So you've got manure, you either need less fertilizer or depending on rates and what you're growing, maybe you get all the fertilizer you need out of a manure application. Um, you know, you guys brought up commercial fertilizer, so in soil depletion. So even with commercial fertilizer, we see soils kind of get drawn down for pulling bigger yields or um, not fertilizing enough. Um, and Bill, you brought up leaching. So commercial fertilizer and manure can both leach. Manure, though, breaks down a little slower, which means we're reducing nutrient losses over time if it's applied correctly. So with that, manure breakdown we get a little bit longer of a benefit potentially than we see with some other applications of fertilizer and larger dairies can be a source of manure for those without animals and can benefit the crop rotation so you know if you have a crop farm you're just doing soybeans or wheat or whatever you could still have manure available it's not like you go to the co-op with you do like you do with commercial fertilizer, um, but it, it can be a benefit to get it back in the rotation and help out with that <clears throat> building your soils back up, especially with organic matter. So I think that's been an extremely exciting part 
of you know of the use of manure in the last 10 years is how how basically there's a market for it now where crop farms are buying it and then spreading it out on their fields or the dairy spreads it for them um, but it's a great source where like you said Matt you don't have to have cattle to get manure on your farm so it's a really nice um, way to way if, if you don't have it there's places you can get it and it's just a matter of working with your neighbors and trying to to see what what it costs and, and how to get it I think yep, and I th- oh go ahead Bill yeah, I was going to say, I think a couple of things with that relationship come to mind for me is, is um, you know, if you truly want to know too what you're getting, uh, I would urge that the cash cropper maybe take a sample of that manure at the field. A lot of times our dairies are taking samples, but maybe they're spreading to several different cash croppers in that hauling time frame, and they might only take one sample. So I would urge cash croppers to take their own manure samples at the field and then they can assess exactly what they're getting and also maybe we'll do this in a different episode and we probably could talk a whole episode on pricing um but i'm sure there you know there's so many different ways of and i think the other three guys on the podcast here can attest to they've gotten several questions about how to price manure so maybe up front before you get that manure as a cash cropper you know figure out what that price is. You're going to have less headaches. I just was talking to a grower yesterday about the manure was, he was the dairy and he was going to get paid, but he wasn't sure what he was going to get paid. And they were trying to figure it out and it was already spread. And so if you try to get that up front, I think, um, get that figured out up front. And if indeed there's going to be money exchanged, uh, probably a good thing to do. I just fielded this question about an hour ago on it actually literally just was asked this an hour ago so it's a yeah it's definitely a big question that we we're dealing with a lot more lately so what'd you tell them uh i said i would have to call the farm that they are going to go through and and hopefully they have a um they're a larger dairy so they have a pricing kind of figured out a standard we charge this much for this nutrient and uh this is what transport costs and so hopefully it's a really nice breakdown like that. Obviously, the it'll depend on what the sample says to get an exact price, but you at least know what you're paying per nutrient. Yeah, I think those are great points. And knowing what you're getting by having that sample is a, is a big deal. Um, and beyond just the price side of things, you know, I, I think it's important when you're dealing with manure to think about those other benefits you get too, like we don't really put a price on organic matter. We're when we talk price of manure, we're really just talking hauling cost and you know fertilizer equivalencies. But there are those other benefits we talked about: getting helping build that organic matter and um, building biology. You know, we talked to, in the soil health end of things. There are these biological communities and different additives and stuff. Well, manure is that too. It has biology. There's microbes there. It can help you know, stimulate growth of those communities within your soil. So even beyond just the fertilizer side, the, the nutrient values, there's other benefits as well. So all, all good things to keep in mind when you're looking at manure um, and not just look at it as oh, somebody's waste that they're trying to get rid of. No, it, it can be a real benefit. So I think the other thing too, right. from, from the dairy standpoint, Matt, 
I'll, I'll be quick here, but from the dairy standpoint is with these different stages of manure pits we have in these larger dairies where we have several manure pits is um, try to tailor those manure applications to the field, you know? So if we've got a, you know, a second or a third stage pit where you might not have as much nutrients, maybe that goes on a hay field or grass, or maybe that goes on a field that's closer to the dairy that's gotten a lot of manure over the years. And then you're more, you're more manure, the manure that's more uh, potent or uh, has more nutrients in it. Maybe that goes further away or um, on a, some corn ground where we're going to take more nutrients out. So just trying to tailor the, you know, manure you have to the crop rotation, uh, I think is a huge, huge benefit too. Yep. And I think the farms, um, it's important that if you're on the other end, you're providing manure, it's important to think about those things too. Um, if you are hauling a more of a solid product, you can probably go a little further with that than, you know, if you're hauling liquids, proximity to the farm and how far it's going is going to make a big impact, not only on price, um, but what nutrients that farm might be willing to move. So, yeah, good points. All right. So there you go. Manure, like we said, not just fertilizer. It's also can help build your soil and make it uh, better quality for the soil, not only the soil health aspect, but, uh, but help grow some better crops. So consider it if you're without manure. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. All right, today's spotlight is Conservation Innovation Grants. So the USDA announced $15 million available for Conservation Innovation Grants. Proposals will be accepted through June 29th of this year. And so Conservation Innovation Grants are used to promote problem-solving solutions that boost production on farms, ranches, uh, mm-hmm. private forests, and improve natural resources. So They have set priorities with water reuse, water quality, air quality, energy, and wildlife habitat. So just another source of funding if you're looking for um, projects. In this case, it's things NRCS doesn't normally provide cost sharing for, so it opens up um, some money to new ideas, trying out new things, getting farms to move forward. We see a lot of demo farms kind of do these these type of projects, but it opens other farms up to, to funding to try something unique. It's a good, uh, it's a good opportunity. Uh, hopefully it gets some more people thinking a little bit more conservation minded. Yeah. And it, you know, I think it's, it's something where it doesn't really have to be, um, you know, there's, they're not very specific as far as I'll, outside of the fact that it can't be something you're already eligible for cost share. So, you know, if you're doing cover crops, you can get cost share, but it's, it's gotta be kind of out of the box thinking. So it's encouraging different ways of looking at problems. So Matt, can farmers directly sign up for these themselves? If they've got an idea of a grant idea. Um, usually they're, um, they would have to yeah go through NRCS to do it, so it would be contacting their local NRCS office. Uh, and sometimes 
groups like farmer-led watershed groups or other groups um, can be eligible for this funding as well. All right, so now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. So since we're on the subject of manure, thought today would be a good day to talk about manure spreaders. So the first successful automated manure spreader was designed by Joseph Kemp in 1875. Manure spreaders began as a ground-driven unit, which could be pulled by a horse team, a horse, single horse or a team of horses. At the time of his invention, he was living in Quebec, Canada. But there, after he moved to Newark Valley, New York, and formed the J.S. Kemp Manufacturing Company to manufacture and market his current and subsequent designs. In 1903, he expanded the company to Waterloo, Iowa, before selling the design to International Harvester in 1906. That guy so, moved around a lot. Yeah, he made some headway. Took his spreader and hit the road, apparently. So yeah, and of course, Waterloo, Iowa is also where John Deere has a uh, plant as well. So a lot of, uh, a lot of implements came out of you know, the Illinois, Iowa area, so... Wonder how many Great. what the average horse team would take to pull his his manure spreader. Maybe it just depended how, how full you got it. Yeah, I think they were pretty pretty small box spreaders, you know, they were when you think of not, you know, what we do with today with manure and, and the equipment you we use, it was pretty tiny. What do you what do you think they were as in a bushel measurement? Like a twenty bushel spreader? Yeah, I would say 10 to 20, probably somewhere in there. I don't think it was. Yeah, it couldn't have been much. <laughs> I mean, to think about a horse pulling it, it, it really can't load it down too much. Right. If a single horse can pull it, you know, that's one horsepower. <laughs> so. One horsepower, yes. They probably only had like two or three cows anyway. A couple horses and some pigs and some chickens. So a load a day is probably all they did. Yeah, and it probably beat. Pitching off the, you know, you're pitching onto a wagon and then pitching it off the wagon. This time you only had to pitch it once, and that was just into the wagon. So, I think we've all been there pitching it, figure, figuratively uh-huh. and and literally. Yep. All right. If you like pitching it, please subscribe to our podcast. Go to um, please subscribe and download. Tell your friends to subscribe and show them how to listen. So um, maybe you have a friend out there that doesn't know what a podcast is. So show them, you know, what your podcast player is. I like to use Podcast Attic on my Android phone to download my podcast, but show them what you, you know, how to download it on their particular phone and how to subscribe. And also please like us on Twitter and Facebook. And our handle there is at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Thanks, Todd. So, yes, please remember to listen and to subscribe. And, Max, what should they do if they've already subscribed once? Unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, all resubscribe, right. and rate, <laughs> and leave a comment. And there you go. turn it on on all your children's devices on a low volume so it plays all night while they're sleeping. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Max. 
pump it so in their way veins. To put, <laughs> we're a That's, good way to put children to sleep or what? <laughs> no, you, you turn it down so you can't hear it, but it's still playing. <laughs> playing. Yeah. We, we're or were that, plays. Or were that boring that all the kids just fall asleep? <laughs> also works as a babysitter during the day. Just turn us on. And <laughs> yeah. Why are these the men, company? <laughs> we just play a podcast I, of men yelling about manure to watch our baby all day. <laughs> I think there's some parents out there that wouldn't mind a babysitter right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's plenty of uh, plenty of market. I don't know if you guys saw, there was a video that it was uh, first sleepover at grandma and grandpa's after the quarantine, and they, they're literally like throwing blankets and pillows out the window, and they <laughs> kind of tuck, it, tuck and roll out of the SUV, and then the mo- mom and dad peel away. So, yeah, that's probably pretty accurate. For any of you parents that are going to use this as a babysitting tool, no, child, don't do that bad thing. Please do a good thing. (laughs) Forks don't go in outlets. (laughs) Pre-recorded commands. Your Your sister does not bend that way. I feel like you've used that one a couple times. (laughs) It's been close. It's been close. All right, let's get into the cool beans. That's corny. So, cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. All right, today's cool beans is the sale of support Wisconsin dairy yard signs to benefit community. So, uh, some FFA chapters have been helping to sell signs that say support dairy for $10 a piece. And the money is going to... Uh, purchase cheese and other dairy products for, in this case, the article was focused on Whitewater FFA, the Whitewater Food Pantry and Community Space. So uh, the girl that was quoted in the article said, being from a farm family, I know firsthand how much work and passion goes into producing milk. So to watch farmers dump thousands of gallons of milk due to the shift in demand when schools or restaurants are forced to close breaks my heart especially knowing that our farm could be next. So uh, it's a great way to support the community and to support dairy in general. So how Um, do you get these signs, Matt? In this case, they were, the FFA was selling them. I'm just trying to see if they had, uh, yep. You send the name and address to an email address for, Catella04 at whippets.wwusd.org. So there you go. Are you making that up, Matt? No, it's not. Whippets? Yeah, I'm not sure. The at Whippets. Yeah. It's the the Whitewater Whippets. Oh, Oh, that's their nickname. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The the Whitewater High School is Whippets. Uh, They do offer contactless delivery to home and businesses. So, and she's got her phone number there too for, uh, I found this on Wisconsin State Farmer's website. So if you go to www.wisfarmer.com, you can find the news story and find out how to contact if you're interested in buying a sign. I know I've seen, I don't know if they're the same signs, but I've seen signs like that in our area. So I don't know if people are buying them and they're sent up here or. I I was going to say at the grocery store on the dairy case, they had signs of like, this brand is from Wisconsin, support Wisconsin dairy farmers. So pointing out exactly where to, if you want to support Wisconsin dairy, 
by these certain brands. So that was, I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, like we talked about last week, any way you can help support local as much as possible is a great thing. So a whippet is a dog. I should know that. Maybe my yeah, like a, 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 a race, a race dog. Yeah. It almost like a looks greyhound. like a greyhound. Yep. There you go. Okay. I, the only reason I know that is a kid who lived across the hallway from me my freshman year at River Falls was from Whitewater, and he had a shirt that said Whippets, and I had no idea what a Whippet was. Did you tell him to whip it good? Yeah, whip, whip it, it real it. good. And whip it real good, yeah. You good. must whip it. All right. And now our That's Corny for today is China may miss phase one target for... U.S. farm purchases. So as a result of everything going on, the first phase of the China-U.S. trade agreements, or the early phase anyway, is to import uh, some products from the U.S. and China, and they have been at lower levels with everything going on. So in order to meet the requirements, they would have to double the volume They've done in the first quarter for the remaining three quarters of the year. So they'd have to, they've purchased 5 billion of U.S. agriculture products as of right now. They'd need 30 billion more to meet the goal for this year. So hopefully things will turn around and they'll be able to meet that deadline or that guideline. But it looks like they were supposed to be at 9.1 billion, you know, if you break it evenly, which I'm sure they weren't going to necessarily break it evenly over the whole year. But still, like you say, Matt, if they're at 5 billion, that's quite a bit under where where they need to be. So hopefully they keep buying more, especially now, reasonably priced soybeans and corn um, because they're getting a deal on it. So hopefully they, they, they do fulfill their deal with that. And, and keep buying. Yep, and it looks like they usually buy soybeans right at harvest, so it'll be late summer, early fall before we'll see big purchases. But So there you have it. That's our cool beans, and that's corny for today. So to wrap up, uh, it's been a while since we've gone out to the field. So... In we keeping gotta, we, with the theme for this episode. We got a farmer today we can track down. Oh, we got a manure hauler. So. Oh, the best kind. Yeah. Good. And, and you know, with our, yeah, quarantine, we, we, we can't call them. So I just uh, get them hooked up with a link here and, and we'll see if we can get them on the line. So. All right. Sounds good. All right. I will. Who are we trying? Here, I'll just get some, uh. It looks. Uh, go ahead, Ted. It looks like a. Yeah, here's the name, Felipe Phil, Almerd, from a French Canary French Canadian manure hauler. So let's just play some dramatic music here before I get him on the line. Matt, he totally I think put it's probably that name. Philippe. Philippe de Mende. Yeah, Philippe. How, how would you say the last name, Matt? Uh Merd. Yeah, Merd. That's uh, yeah. Omer. Yeah, that part you got. I thought I had. All right. I think he's on. I just see his bar. Hello? Hello? <laughs> oh, we got you there. You're on You're online here with Tilt Talk Radio. How are you today, Phil? I'm doing well. How are you? 
we're all good. We're just, are you quarantined as well or, or any lockdown measures you got to follow? Yes, we are experiencing the COVID-19 as well up here. You guys, uh, we are. are you you an essential business? We are, we are too. We are an essential business, so we can keep going. How about you? Uh, we are. We have uh, shit to do, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. How, how much um, manure, as we say down here, um, and today our episode was about manure and what can brown do for you. So what, what can brown do for you up there? Well, we have spread it for our crops, uh, just like you do. And uh, we use noon equipment because, well, it's Canadian and so am I. So <laughs> it works for me. Uh, we do dairy and hog manure. And uh, up here we do lots of testing to, do, to uh, find what the nutrients are. And we do not apply more than the crop will need. So, What's your average, average application rate? As it depends on the the analysis of the manure, we test for moisture content, total N ammonium, P and K, and in certain parts of Canada, electrical conductivity is uh, required, and that gives us a salt content. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, if if the if the salt content is too high, do you guys mix in maple syrup to sweeten it a little bit? <laughs> no maple syrup is too good for that type of thing <laughs> we consume that or... but uh, yes no we we do anywhere from 5,000 to in your American uh, gallons to the probably 15 to 16,000 gallons uh so we we try to maintain levels that are equivalent to the crop we are going to take off. Hey Phil, do you guys have we have a lot of regulation here we have to follow. How about how about in Canada? Do we do you fight with a lot of regulation up there too? Oh yes, it is uh well regulated up here as well. We must uh keep track of the nutrients we're applying, very good record keeping. It's a big deal up here. Um, and as I said, we must keep our nutrients on the field and we must maintain that we are not going too much manure for the crop. So it is important to keep good records. Well, good. Thanks for taking the time. Phil, any any last words of wisdom for us? I just hope that uh, things start to clear up for you. Is the I hope they will for us, and uh, we have lots of things to do. So have a good growing season. You too. You too. Great. Bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Au revoir. <laughs> Max, do you speak French or not? Yeah, uh, poutine. French fry, <laughs> uh, cheese curd gravy, cheese cheese curd gravy. <laughs> uh, 
I can my, probably my say translation some, might be. I can toast? say some like wines. I think. I think. I think wines in French, right? Like Chateau d'Amois or something like that. That's probably French. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That sounds pretty close. I think if our high school right. French, French teacher heard us right now, he'd be like, just like you guys dying, had French right? in high school. We did. I did. I don't know about we these did. other two guys. I I took French and a little bit of Spanish. We'll watch it. No, it was more. It was Spanish, Max. Like you were you Spanish? Yeah. Ready for this? <laughs> pa- parlez-vous français? <laughs> yeah. Oui. Uh huh. Oui. parle français. Oh, I can also do. Did you go to France, Maxwell? Maxwell. Oh, nice. Oh, no, I, so sophisticated. <laughs> no, I've not been to France or French Matt, Canada. Did you, so, did you go, Matt? Yeah, yep. I was went to France when I was a junior and went to Quebec when I was a senior. So Ooh, double dipping. Yep. I milked a lot of cows to make the money to go on that trip. So. <laughs> <laughs> sounds totally worth it. That's awesome. So all right. Well that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us Thanks again, Matt. Us, Matt. Yeah. Thanks for everybody listening. And so we talked about manure and the value it has. Conservation innovation grants. So if you have a unique idea, there may be funding for you. The manure spreader was invented in 1875. Cover that in our Ag History Minute. And in our Cool Beans, that's corny. We talked about Wisconsin dairy yard signs being sold and the fact that China may miss their purchasing target for phase one of the trade deal. But as Philippe Omer said, as well, when we talked to our outstanding in our field reporter, we have stuff to do. So thanks for listening. And as always, Happy farming.